Welcome to Champions of Care, a Champion Chair podcast and your go-to resource for industry-leading insights regarding medical seating and their applications. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Champions of Care, a Champion Chair podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along to some quality thought leadership. As we listen along to our guests' insights today, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. When you hit that subscribe button, you'll get a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new ones. And you can head to our website, championchair.com, for more information on our solutions and services, but also more healthcare thought leadership, including videos, podcasts, and more. So on today's episode of the show, we're exploring some of the ways that the pandemic has forever impacted our healthcare system. And in many ways, the pandemic introduced a new set of challenges that this generation of healthcare providers had never faced before. But for as much unpredictability as we saw, we also saw many already existing challenges in healthcare operations only get exacerbated by the pandemic, namely in regards to coordination of care in a hospital setting. So managing various levels of staff, resources, supplies, etc. These operational channels were hard pressed during COVID. And though the end of the pandemic is on the horizon, these operational challenges remain because they existed before we were hit with the pandemic. So we want to ask the questions today, what can healthcare organizations do to get ahead of these operational challenges and build proactivity around their situation management? So for insights, we're joined by Terry Zisk. She's CEO of Live Process, which is a real-time situation management hub company that's built specifically for healthcare systems. And Terry's experience extends deep into the healthcare industry with experience as SVP of operations operations at Medventive, CTO at Health Dialogue, which is a care management and healthcare analytics company. And she also served as VP of Provisioning Business Operations at Centillion, which is now known as Caradigm, which is an identity and access management solutions company for the healthcare industry. So we're getting a lot of great med tech and operational insight. Terry, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking me to be on. Absolutely. It's really a pleasure getting you on Champions of Care. You are truly a champion of care, and we are going to be breaking down exactly how by intersecting your thought leadership and your experience with these operational challenges around situation management. So I want to start by laying out the pandemic impact. Of the challenges that rocked healthcare the most during the pandemic, everything from ICU readiness to managing operations to now we see vaccine distribution, how much of that was a reflection of completely unpredictable and new challenges? And how much of that was a reflection of issues that were already present in healthcare operations, if you had to make sort of a generalized assessment? Well, that's a great question. It's something that I, I actually think about quite a bit. I believe that operational challenges are primarily a reflection of issues that have been present today, um, and they've been present for a long time, and all COVID did was highlight those issues. I think there were quite a few unpredictable portions of the situation, and those came from treating an illness um, that we really didn't understand. So if you go back to last February, last March, 
um, as patients were entering the emergency department, they were deteriorating rapidly. Um, the situation was one where they were spreading the disease pretty rapidly. And all of a sudden, the hospitals were faced with unprecedented demand in volume, especially densely populated areas. That's something that I don't think uh, we could have ever prepared for. We've never dealt with anything on that scale and magnitude. And I think another part of the situation that perhaps wasn't realistic for us to plan for was the duration of that peak demand. So if you remember um, almost a year ago, we were talking about being locked down for three weeks and you know flattening the curve and all of those kinds of things. Well, it's been a year um, and we're still dealing with variations in peaks and demand. So um, in my opinion, healthcare is designed to handle spikes, but those spikes are short-lived and they deal with them today with human capital and our heroes in healthcare. But in general, those aren't really the most scalable models for dealing with these kind of situations. I'm also curious your thoughts on the structural aspect of this, because I feel like many of the inequities that we saw in care during the pandemic can be seen as institutional failures, even more than just individual failures of any one organization. So things that I see that influenced uh, our inaction or inability to respond quickly include things like the prohibitive cost of care in the states, the dense and often confusing and profit-driven health insurance industry that can dictate our care, and then in other ways, our unorganized emergency supply chain as well that, you know, when we got pushed into this crisis, that left health providers struggling to supply enough resources for their staff and their patients. What are your thoughts on the structural aspect of this? Do you think COVID also revealed major existing issues in those structures of our larger system? If so, which ones? And, you know, what are your thoughts there? Great thought. So I, I agree with you. I do think that COVID accentuated uh, the issues. And I think there's a number of systemic issues in how healthcare is delivered in the United States. In general, I think the issues come from healthcare, a healthcare system, a healthcare delivery model that's really evolved into something that is purely transactional. It, it, we're just, you know, we replace knees, we replace hips, we optimize to replace the most knees in a day possible to make sure that the quality is optimized, the care is optimized, the outcomes are optimized. However, um, when you're dealing with something that requires variability and how you handle the situation, our reimbursement model isn't designed to support something like that. Look at telehealth during COVID and the rapid rate of adoption of telehealth as a service for delivering care for people that still, of course, required service when they couldn't go into the doctor's office, but it took forever for the um, insurance industry to be able to compensate for those telehealth services. In my opinion, the transactional nature that, uh, that has resulted from these uh, narrow siloed transactional uh, delivery models has created unnatural silos across departments or within departments, I should say. And there's little or no information that can flow across, across boundaries, except when there's a point of transition. And realistically, that information doesn't matter that much because they're done with their transaction. So I think that uh, there's some serious change that needs to happen and a model that is uh, more adaptive is really going to be important. 
you know, I'm really curious to see how, you know, we take the learning lessons from the pandemic and apply them moving forward for structural changes and also for individual organizational changes as well. You know, when we try to assess that path forward, how capable do you think individual organizations are at solving the various challenges we saw during the pandemic themselves? Or do you think it's going to take a more top-down restructuring of various aspects of our healthcare system to also achieve the kind of uh, positive change we need to see? I think it's going to take a top-down approach and some restructuring. That's at least my opinion from what I've observed. Our Again, our healthcare heroes, they figured out how to survive during the onset of the pandemic, and they certainly... Uh, were able to sustain high levels of demand throughout the deluge of the COVID patients that were coming into their organization. But in my opinion, proactive structured approaches are more necessary now than ever before. And I think that's, while an individual organization might be capable of setting that up, it's really something that needs to be done at the system level with each of the individual institutions and portions of the institution benefiting from both a top-down and a distributed model that can coexist and operate together. All right, let's lean in a little more on situation management, which we saw really highlighted as an issue during the pandemic and one that organizations were already feeling, maybe just not to this scale. So uh, during a crisis and really during day-to-day operations that are more typical, healthcare providers rely on many real-time metrics to act quickly, and that informs that situational management. Can you break down what that looks like day-to-day and which metrics uh, are typically more essential to monitor? Well, today, I think people have a lot of really great tools for managing things that um, that we heard about in the news throughout COVID. Things like uh, bed capacity and how many beds do I have by type and when or how available are they? Going back to, you may remember how many ICU beds are available, how many negative pressure rooms are available. Um, Other metrics like uh, the times that are necessary to triage and treat patients are critical because you can't afford to have someone sitting in a waiting area exposing more people to a virus. So those, of course, are very important. Supply chain, the ability to access and redistribute local and regional supplies when uh, shortages are present is a critical capability. And then, of course, staffing and repurposing your staffing. Again, all of these tools and all of these measurements are in place today. The part that's missing from our ability to effectively deal with a large-scale issue like COVID is the ability to see that across the enterprise. Every individual hospital knows what's going on within their four walls. What they don't know, or what the health system they're a part of doesn't know, is what's going on at across all of those individual institutions and how can they allocate, reallocate, repurpose people, resources, and supplies, even beds, to accommodate the shifts in demand. So instead of operating as a self-contained unit within a department or within the four walls of a hospital, health systems need to operate more like a system or a network of systems that can share their capacity so you can effectively adapt and dynamically adjust to changes in demand. 
Now, which metrics did you see become most essential during the pandemic and why? Were there any that really stood out as maybe during a you know typical day-to-day operation aren't uh, you know held as as important or you know just aren't forced to be as important that became all of a sudden metrics that had to be governed and overseen with you know more uh, more direction? The two that were most prevalent, at least from my experiences in working with customers that um, were, you know, in the midst of dealing with the crisis, is uh, were bed capacity at a regional level and beds by type. And then the other is the supply chain and access to critical supplies. So again, they what they had to do, they had to adapt to getting visibility um, at the at a regional level or at a health system level. And they needed mechanisms that allowed them to see beds across every one of the 11 hospitals that are part of their network so that they could see how to repurpose beds of other types to take advantage of the capacity so that you could have more ICU beds or create more negative pressure rooms. So those were the things that I saw that were the most critical throughout the pandemic. One of the main reasons we're having this conversation is because what we've seen now Uh, And what we realized when the pandemic hit is that many healthcare organizations were flying blind, per se, uh, or, you know, dealing with the massive influx in ICU patients uh, and uh, emergency protocols without a set structure to manage that intake of data. Why do we see so many organizations still flying blind, Uh, especially now that we're almost a year out from the beginning of the pandemic? A lot of these issues still haven't been resolved. So why, basically, are we seeing organizations fly blind in uh, situation management? It goes back to some some really some fundamentals that just haven't been important. Information is collected. Information is um, recorded. Uh, That's happening all the time. The point that I'd like to make is there's no tooling or capability that provides what I'll call real-time insight into the whole situation that affects the operation of the health system and the ability to deliver care. So they have insight into whether there's a lot of patients sitting in a hallway waiting for beds, and they know intrinsically that they need to free up beds on uh, one of the upper floors in order to get people out of the hallways. That's a tactical thing that they can do and they know how to react to. What I think uh, is missing is true real-time insight into the effects of a situation across departments so that you could utilize resources that might be underutilized in one department and take advantage of them in a department that is heavily overutilized. And in order to fix that or get through to that, I think there's, again, we go back to there's systemic change that's required. I think another reason why we've seen so much disorganization is because a lot of these processes are being run in a very reactive way with Mm -hmm. decentralized communications and a decentralized structure that just kind of leaves the onus on the individual caregivers or healthcare staff and professionals rather than building a top-down structure. Uh, So when these processes are run in this more reactive, decentralized way, 
I want to break down how this impacts various players in the healthcare process. So let's start with the patients themselves, the most important ones here. How does that decentralized reactive approach to situation management impact the patient? In my opinion, it has a big impact on the quality of care and the continuity of care for those patients. And in many cases, even the comfort of those patients. Classic example of uh, dealing with things in a decentralized way. A patient might have gone through a procedure in um, a surgical suite and surgical suite is busy. Patients are you know, backed up getting into the surgical suite. This particular patient needs to get to, into a post-acute care unit and there's always backup in post-acute care unit beds. The patient ends up arriving in the post-acute care unit and there's no bed available for them. And there's certainly no uh, record of that person that needs to be there at that particular point in time. So they're, you know, the caregivers are left scrambling as a result of something like that. And the patient is uh, required to wait uh, for their bed for their care. Now, how do we see that reactive and decentralized approach impact the caregivers themselves? I think the caregivers end up living, especially the nurses, in a very chaotic world. And, you know, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, everyone is wonderful in the healthcare industry and everybody strives to do the best they can. But when there's lack of information flow, when there's lack of visibility, when things are decentralized, but you don't have the tools that you need to operate effectively in a decentralized way, you're dealing with levels of uncertainty and you're spending more time getting ready for delivering care than actually delivering care for the patient. And I think that creates a lot of stress for caregivers. And I think that leads to burnout. And finally, how does this decentralized communication structure for situation management impact the facilities teams and the operational teams that uh, run a lot of the back end of the healthcare organization? I think that uh, there it's evident in the metrics, the key operating metrics, whether it's the cost of operations, the uh, responsiveness of the organization to uh, whatever critical care delivery metrics they track. I think that a reactionary approach causes degradation in those financial and operating metrics. In my opinion, um, and I think uh, you share the same thought, the model needs to switch from being reactive to proactive. And decentralization and decentralized communications and structures are good and they can be extremely valuable, but you need the complementary technologies and you need the complementary top-down structure to work in conjunction with the decentralized communications so that things operate more smoothly. You, you basically need someone that's managing the edges. And if there's something that's like if the wheel is falling off on the side, they can put that wheel on while the care team is off, you know, cleaning the patient or uh, dealing with a particular procedure that needs to happen at hand. And there's another team that's, you know, their safety net, making sure that the next round of information or the next round of supplies or the next batch of vaccines are available to them. Let's get deeper on how data and communications are often managed in a healthcare organization. When you're working with healthcare providers, do you see that most departments within 
an organization usually operate with siloed data and communications and that, you know, okay, this department dealing with these patients have their own communication line. This department dealing with XYZ patients have their own communication line. Is it that siloed? Is it usually more linked? And what is the effect of however you see that structured most commonly? What I see most common is that uh, it's the data, data and communications are very siloed. Each department may have purchased technology to solve their specific challenge or their specific demand for coordination and collaboration. The end result, though, is that there isn't a mechanism that allows them to reach across departments when they need other people and other resources to effectively deliver care. So you end up with islands of automation and uh, the collection of technologies that are out there are good as point solutions, but they don't necessarily scale or operate effectively when there's an interdependency. And the thing that I've seen over and over again is that the practice of delivering healthcare is highly interdependent from whether ventilation is working properly in the facility to today's docket of surgical procedures. If you don't have effective uh, ventilation, then you may have to reschedule your surgical procedures. If you're dealing with ventilation in isolation of what's going on in surgery and you can't repair the ventilation issue rapidly, then you have a lot of patients that are sitting in the hospital waiting for a procedure that then needs to get rescheduled. So you're talking about a lot of rework and added expense and lost revenue. Looking across those boundaries, communicating across boundaries, making processes and procedures more intertwined um, is essential, in my opinion, to effective situation management and effective visibility into being able to adapt as things change in your environment. It seems to me that the siloed strategy is one that that the surface seems better right because okay and we're not bothering any other departments with our communications and you know at the very least we have uh you know our own way of doing things in this department and we know how to manage it well but like you just explained that siloing of data can make understanding how to deal with situations across departments, very difficult, especially for the facilities and operations teams. So in your opinion, why do we still see data infrastructure be so siloed today in healthcare? And why are so many organizations still dealing with these situational management strategies in such a reactive and sort of individualized way? Departments have been measured on optimizing their success within their domain and their practice area. So they're measured based on the volume and quality of the transactions that they deliver. They pick and choose technologies that optimize the way that they deliver care. The data that they use is trapped in those siloed technologies. The EMR you know, is a, a big advance for dissemination and sharing of patient-related information across boundaries. That same level of information sharing needs to go beyond the patient 
to encompass logistics, orchestration, preparing for the delivery of care, not just the delivery of care, and even preparing for how you're going to deliver care or develop a specific care delivery plan for your patient. So I think, yeah, I think it exists because of how we're measured, of how we're compensated, and people just hadn't thought about the effects of these interdependencies. And our experience with COVID certainly showed that those interdependencies are a big part of being able to deliver care. And now we need to do something about them because just scaling those procedures by adding more people doesn't solve the problem or having really cool technology for docs to be able to send secure texts to each other so they can discuss a care plan, but they can't put their students on the same technology because of limited licenses or other issues results in human-to-human communication and telephone calls to disseminate information to the secondary and tertiary care teams, which again, just doesn't scale. Somebody's got to think about this a little bit differently from, from a bigger picture standpoint and realize that these operations are interdependent. I think interdependence is the key word here that uh, you know, as we get past COVID and begin to look at where our organizations mismanage the situation, I think uh, finding ways to continue to unify all the various teams and players so that communication stays open, but also so that you see what you need to see as a professional or caregiver or, uh, you know, staff professional on the team. Uh, it's a mix of both combining data, but then also structuring it so people can read and consume and analyze what they need to. So I'm curious how you translate all of that into a solution. How can healthcare organizations restructure their approach to situational management to be all of those things, to be both proactive, more unified, less siloed, but still also easy to understand and uh, target communications to where they need to go and who they need to go, even with a more unified structure. So that's part of the reason we created the technology that we call AWARE, which is our, our, our new situation management platform. We designed this capability based on watching our customers use technology for crisis management, use communications technologies for doctors to engage and interact with each other. And we saw patterns where there were holes in the information flow. So we took on three basic design principles. One, we wanted to ensure that information and more importantly, insight is available and shared in real time. And that's nuanced by it's not just that the information is available, it's the information that you as a contributor to delivering care need to know when you need to know it, not before, not after, you know, not based on 75 phone calls that you miss or playing phone tag in order to get the information. So that information has to be shared in real time. It has to be delivered in terminology in ways that make sense to you and at the point that you need it. Not, like I said before, not too early, not too late. The second is people need to be able to connect with each other 
Today, the technology for connecting is picking up a telephone or huddling around a patient's bed or uh, huddling around uh, the operating room and uh, determining what they're going to, what the next step in the procedure is going to be. For a lot of preparing to deliver care and the operation of care, teams are in different locations. People are in the building, out of the building, in different places. They need to be able to connect with each other to get critical information to share and disseminate information, to collaborate across boundaries whenever and wherever they need to. And they need to be able to do that without interference. They don't want to go look for who do I call, who's on call and how do I find them? And then the, the third component is repeatability. So think of the procedures that are necessary in delivering care and preparing to deliver care. And which of those can be automated work streams, which of those can be triggered automatically based on warning signals and other things that you're monitoring. We've got tons of monitoring capability throughout the health system. Let's leverage that to trigger action across different disciplines so that work and preparation for care can proceed in parallel. So in short, our platform that, you know, the the simple story we talk about is being connected, being responsive, and being aware. And we've created this um, enterprise class situation management platform to automate and orchestrate both the preparation and delivery of care workflows and allow people to do that in a proactive way so that everybody's connected across the enterprise all the time and information and work move seamlessly in real time with uh, without regard for boundaries. Terry, I appreciate all your insights so far. I want to begin to wrap uh, our conversation today by focusing back in on some of your entrepreneurial experience over the last 20 plus years in trying to bring various kinds of solutions to market. As you've maneuvered this industry, some of your solutions grew and were sold to Fortune 100 companies. Some of them, like we all experience, were too early to market or didn't capture the right attention. <laughs> so, you know, you have your wins, everyone has their losses. But when looking at meeting today's healthcare situation management needs, you not only have to deliver on a product that will create value for these markets, but also develop something that has longevity as a company and a solution itself for investors, but even more importantly for employees and the end users, right? So I want to break this aspect of, uh, of your approach to solving these situational management challenges. How did you approach concepting a solution that truly met these situation management needs in the healthcare market? And what did you do to keep those demographics front of mind as you were concepting the solution? There are three, three components um, uh, that I pursued. One uh, was quite a bit of upfront, just pure market research in the context of the pressures that healthcare delivery organizations face today. And the big insight there was efficiency. And of course you have to continue to do market research, but this was uh, very specifically, I wanted to understand what is preventing healthcare systems from continuing to grow. And what is that gonna look like in the future? And like I said, I, I saw efficiency as a big factor. The second um, that I looked at was as an organization, what are our core competencies and what are the things that we can leverage that we know how to do well 
to deliver a solution for our customers that helps them with these challenges of efficiency. And for this organization, Live Process, it's been about connectivity and the ability to collaborate virtually and sharing awareness across boundaries. And then the final component is watching and listening to customers. And as we did that time and time again, and we continue to do that today, patterns emerge. And what ended up coming out of that is, is the platform that I just described to you just a moment ago. Now, has that approach shifted at all since COVID? Have you refined any of your strategies uh, or, you know, concepted different options for your solutions to meet this sort of expanded issue around situation management? Well, we we have. It didn't actually change the solution dramatically. What it did instead was highlight the importance of the solution, which we were lucky to have. And also, it helped people act and react in real time to the challenges they're facing. Um, distribution of the vaccine, managing the reentry of uh, their healthcare workers after they've been exposed to the virus and coming back into the work setting. Early on during the COVID virus, managing the exposure across the health system of healthcare workers to patients that were COVID positive before anybody understood what that was and how contagious it was. So we learned quite a bit and we found that we found ourselves adapting and innovating tailored solutions with this platform as each of these new situations came up and we were pleased to see how well we were able to adapt. And uh, our customers were constantly coming up with new scenarios um, every time you turned around as they had the next challenge in the industry based on the COVID demand. And now to wrap this up, let's chat a bit on how uh, this approach has impacted the various parties that are affected, right? So that includes investors, it includes end users, and it includes employees. So uh, how did you build to work a healthcare technology company around this solution that brought longevity and stability and you know something resourceful for, and let's start with the end user? We're not done. Um, right. We're far from done. And as in any situation like this, you have to stay constantly vigilant to changes and patterns and things that are emerging in the marketplace. And you have to anticipate what the evolving needs are going to be and be there when your customers need you to be there. So all that being said, I would say that you know this is a uh, continual adventure and longevity, our stability and the profitability of an organization for healthcare technology comes from your customer's success. And our customer's success is built on our ability and their ability, theirs being the customer's ability to adapt to changing needs and circumstances. And at the heart of any of these situations is realizing that change is inevitable. And once we accept that and uh, build processes and tools that work effectively in an environment that is and can constantly change, then I think the healthcare technology company can survive and thrive in the long run. And I think that's the same for the healthcare industry and the customers that we serve. In, in my opinion, an organization that can rapidly adapt to change is one that thrives in the long run. 
And we'll have to keep our ear to the ground to see how live process continues to help solve these situation management issues. From what I can tell in our conversation today, it seems like you've got your head on straight. You've got that vision mapped out and the company is really looking to create that proactive structure for healthcare organizations to get ahead. At the end of the day, you know, when I speak to companies like yours, you know, I always try to make uh, an assessment on, you know, are these thought leaders, are these companies really centering the key players here? At the end of the day, that's always the patient and the caregiver. Does the patient's life, does the caregiver's life improve because of this solution? And from what I can tell, your goal is yes, it will. Um, but, you know, with that mentality in mind, you know, do you have any final thoughts here as we wrap up the podcast? I do think that the ultimate beneficiary to all of these things that we were talking about today is both the care provider and the consumer or patient. This is all about making sure that with the transformation of the healthcare delivery system, you're making the world safer and more efficient and less chaotic for the care delivery personnel, allowing them truly to work at the top of their game which in the end creates better care and better care quality for the patients. And ultimately, for the patients, these changes and the kinds of technologies that we're talking about provides for a more efficient and effective care delivery model, which allows patients to end up with better treatment, better outcomes, and uh, basically for the health system, they'll end up with more loyalty from their patients because of the quality and effectiveness of the care that they're able to deliver to their community. Terry Zisk, CEO of Live Process, thank you so much for your insights today on the podcast. It's really been a pleasure maneuvering this topic with you today and unpacking why it is that healthcare organizations still struggle so much with situation management, and what some potential solutions could look like. So again, we've been chatting with Terry Zisk, CEO of Live Process. And Terry, if folks want to find out more about Live Process, how can they do so? They can reach out to us via the web at www.liveprocess.com. And I look forward to hearing from many of your listeners. Uh, they can reach out anytime they like. And Daniel, thank you for asking me to participate in your uh, conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you again. And thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of Champions of Care, a Champion Chair podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as heading to our website, championchair.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. <laughs>